She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out, a podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. And then, in the middle of the night at like two in the morning, we walk out naked in the middle of a thunderstorm and stand under the trees and watch as the lightning lights up the canopy above us. Like, that's just the craziness of it. It's such a strange life, and it's so weird. The fiance had left and she's like, yeah, so now I'm kind of sad because we got engaged like a couple of days ago, you know, like, and the subtext is like, no big deal, you know, and I was like, woo, congratulations, and that made me a weirdo in, in the French <laughs> system, you know. I tend to get a little irritated when you try to compare it with an existing thing in the U.S., like happy hour. I, I'm not trying to compare it to happy hour. I'm just saying, you said like, oh, Americans don't have anything to unwind at the end of the day. Is it? No, 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 no. <laughs> Another thing that I always forget and then realize as soon as we get off the plane in France is that I can't communicate with anybody. <laughs> Or not very well, you know? It's a good week this week, Chili Roxanne. Is it? Yeah, you know why? Tell me. We got a new review. Yes. Want me to read it? Yes. All right. The title of this one is This One's Special. And they gave us five stars. Five stars. You gotta imagine every time Alistair says that on those review readings, he like holds up his hand like like a five. Five. So <laughs> just, just so you give it. Yeah. Here, here's what they said. Alistair and Julie Roxanne have a special thing here. Incredible chemistry and a hell of a backstory. Two likable, intelligent people living in a van in France talking about real life issues. What's not to love? Great job, guys. Signed, a fellow podcaster on Vancouver Island. Winky face. And I'm going to take a guess here. I think this might be our friends Andrew and John over at the Obstacle Course podcast. I think it might be just them. Yeah. And if it's not, we need you to come forth. What is the name of the person? We don't have that many friends on Vancouver Island. (laughs) (laughs) I don't Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. (laughs) But if we have more than we think, please let us know. (laughs) Otherwise, no, thank you, John and Andrew. And uh, you can go check them out on the Obstacle Course podcast. They're awesome. Thanks, guys. Listener, and welcome to a brand new episode of Far Out Podcast. Bonjour, bienvenue. Bonjour et bienvenue. Oui, oui. <laughs> Before we start talking about this week's episode, we've got a short announcement. We're opening up spots for our podcast editing business. So if you need help with your podcast, if you're a one-man show and you want to get a little help, or maybe you know someone who has a podcast who could use some help or is looking for help, let them know. We're taking on clients. We're offering editing, coaching, and sometimes producing packages. And uh, you can just reach us at host at thefaroutpodcast.com. That's host at thefaroutpodcast.com. Yes. What are we talking about today? Well, today we're talking about transitions. And, and primarily the transition between the U.S. and life in France. The transition between suburbia, affluent suburbia, and whatever this is in the caravan. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the absurdness of it, the ridiculousness of it, but also some of the more painful aspects of it as well, and some of the things we love about it. I think it's a it's an episode about differences. Not so much one has to be better than the other, but all the all the differences and kind of reveling in it and uh, enjoying the transitions. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 
<laughs> you started smiling like five seconds before you said it. I was like, what is he going to do? Oh my God, what is he going to do? Is there something stupid planned I'm not aware of? Well, hello. Hello, Alistair. Hello, you listening to us. Hello, world. Hello. It's nice to have you here. It's nice. It's do a you... rainy Monday morning for us. Do you know where we are? Yeah. We're in France. We're back in the caravan. It's we are. really nice to record in our little studio again. It's lush and purple and orange and golden. It looks like, as someone put it before, Gaddafi's harem. That's and, true. And uh, it has nice. been described as Gaddafi's harem. Yes. And I was particularly proud of that. <laughs> I figured Gaddafi probably has a really nice harem. Yeah. Or that, did. Yeah. Is he dead? Jeez, I don't know. I think so. I think so. I'm sorry, Gaddafi. I don't know. He was a bad guy, right? I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Gaddafi was not like... I have like a, a very blurry concept of who he is. Okay. Anyways, we are back here. We got incense burning. We got teas going on. The plants are here. One Well, plant minus died. one. We lost Maggie, which was a small, thriving succulent when we left two months ago. And... Uh, she came back very shriveled, and Probably, uh, the reason was yeah. overwatering. Yeah, at least yeah. that is. Uh, I suspect we're happy because all of our other plants were taken good care of by uh, by Noemi, our neighbor. Yeah, and uh, the only non-survivor was Maggie. We also came so back to uh, one less hen. So oh, when yeah. we moved in, we started with five, and we're down to three. And you'd think all this time, Josephine. Would die already. Yeah, Josephine. Josephine doesn't look that great. She's like the old hen, and she always keeps her distance. And she kind of looks like, like she's, uh, she's seen death. Yeah, yeah. Her neck is all messed up, and we suspect she hasn't laid an egg in about five thousand. If you years. were to bet, if I told you right now, like you saw all five hens, and then I told you later two of these weren't going to be here, you'd be like, okay, Josephine and who? <laughs> Josephine and who? No, Josephine's still here. She's here. There's she's some wisdom bury, in that old hen. She's going to bury them all. Yeah, she, there's something. She, she keeps her distance. She's uh, She eats and she just. No, we lost Lizzie. Yeah, we lost Lizzie. No, we lost Tiger. We, yeah, yeah, but recently. we lost Lizzie after we came back from yeah. the, the wedding. Tiger, and, a young buck. Yeah, Tiger was so healthy. Or yeah. at least we thought. Dropped yeah. dead. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like they just, both of them apparently found dead in the on in the morning but we still have fatty patty our 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 jewel our yeah, favorite our, our uh, she's the fat precious. black one that just makes us laugh all the time whenever <laughs> we see her do anything because it's just hilarious she gives us a lot of entertainment it's better than tv it's amazing so things are just you know happening life is happening the back forest in is in full bloom yeah. everything is green and humid it's very hot here mm-hmm. uh and uh, when it's not hot, it's raining. Like this morning. Yeah. Which feels kind of nice. Also yeah, it is has nice. a beanie on. I have a beanie on. It's kind of pushing it, to <laughs> be honest. My head's a little warm. But I'm going to wear the beanie. But the, the fact is, Alistair's been trying desperately to find a way to keep his hair out of his eyes. Because the hair has grown, peeps. It is long. Yeah, it's down to my shoulders now. And I just not... Like, totally on board with the man bun yet. I'm not sure. I'm just not comfortable with it. Yeah. So I've been trying a lot of different things. My my standard is the the hat, the backwards hat. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got this hat that I've been traveling with for like four years. And <laughs> so so I it's do- starting to look like a little, a little old. Okay. I, okay. I love it, but <laughs> it reminds me of times but, past. So I've been trying other things. You have this kind of scrunchy bandana that I've been trying. Yeah. Uh, I've been trying a, a regular bandana that makes me look a little bit like a, a, a pirate king. Yeah, that, yeah, that's a good description. Now I'm trying a beanie. <laughs> I'm confused. So we've been back in France for a exactly a week today. And back at the caravan for six days. And uh, we've been reflecting a lot on this transition. And we thought that we would talk about this today. Yeah, it's been a while since we've, we've talked about the caravan. And these transitions often highlight the differences when, when we move from one culture to another or one place or somewhere where it's very different. For a moment, everything is kind of highlighted in relief. You can see what's different about 
the West and what's different about living in the caravan. And for me, this kind of, <laughs> I think it was like day one or day two, I just burst out laughing. Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. It, it, it is. We just spent two months in the West. And, and I mean like two months and like we, we spent a little time in Portland and mainly uh, when we weren't doing the Yosemite retreat, we were at my parents' house in San Jose, California. So the Bay Area. And it's just such an absurd contrast mm-hmm. to the life we live here. And we go there and I mean, we're in a multi-million dollar neighborhood. Yeah. Or I mean, everyone around us is working at Google, Apple or some high tech firm. My parents bought it in the 90s and I've stayed there since. But but anyone moving in has got a lot of money yeah. or is making a lot of money. Yeah. And Lexus everywhere. Yeah, you know, and it's it's like classic suburbia, and there's a lot of comforts and all this. It's uh, some people think it's the good life. <laughs> I think my parents enjoy it quite a bit, and it, it is cozy. It's comfy. Yeah. Uh, and then we move back to the caravan, and it's just like it's hard to keep both those it's, to just go back and forth between those two worlds, yeah. and sometimes it just feels absurd. Yeah. It's like, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> we're living in a multi-million dollar neighborhood, and then we're living in a caravan out in the woods. In and it's like just, rural France, yeah. middle of nowhere France. Yeah. I actually, and all I could do was just start laughing because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> One great description of rural France that I had the other day, I went to the market, and I didn't tell you this, Alistair, and the, you know the guy who sells the wine? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he he was really happy to see me, and so I told him we'd been gone for the last two months, and we we had done a retreat in Yosemite, and it was a, it was a big success and stuff. And so he's like, "Oh, nice, nice." And then he kind of blanked out, paused, looked at me, and said, "Like, what's a retreat in Yosemite?" He thought he thought in Yosemite was a word, <laughs> and that like that was a particular type of retreat. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, I, I, I get it, I get it, man, I get it. So I explained it to him, but I thought like, ah, oh, this is rural France. This is what it is. We're here. We are here, <laughs> and we're starting to get over the jet lag. Although even this morning, man, it's still heavy. It's still, still heavy. tough to wake up. Yeah. But we thought we'd do a little compare and contrast, or just some of the things that pop out about us yeah. about where we left and where we arrived. Yeah. And I would really encourage. You know, from traveling the last four years, I would say this is a really good practice because when you move somewhere new and strange and different, things become very clear what's different about them, Mm -hmm. but not for very long. A lot of times that stuff, all of a sudden, as soon as it becomes normal, you kind of assume it's normal again. And I think it's worth spending a little time and highlighting the differences because it gives you some perspective. It makes you realize, okay, What's different about this place versus that place? And it's very interesting how much an environment can play into a lot of things. My work, my mood, my lifestyle, my general like fulfillment and satisfaction every day. And a lot of these things kind of like they're insidious. They kind of sneak up on you. And you either the good ones or the bad ones and you forget all of a sudden we're very good at, at adjusting and whatever is strange and abnormal quickly becomes ordinary and normal and it can be hard to see outside of that and i think it's just a good exercise to to kind of explore our our world and and the different things also it gives me perspective on rural living it gives me perspective on france it gives me perspective on the u.s on suburban living on a lot of different aspects and i think sometimes it's worth you know, kind of drawing lines around it and saying and, and and trying to categorize it and get just kind of a better understanding of how these different elements may or may not influence my life. I agree. I also feel like transitions transitions tend to be a little rough on me, and I think they can be for everyone to different to varying degrees. Uh, but I think that thinking about it this way makes them more interesting. It's like, yeah, okay, this is a little bit challenging, but it's also a great opportunity for me to reflect and see the differences. And then I feel like I gain a lot more data, not only on the world around me and how I perceive it, but also on me 
because that's and that's what you said. So I, that is always something I'm interested in doing. I was just about to say, I think it's a great opportunity for self-knowledge yeah. and better self-understanding. And, and it's also uh, a great opportunity to change habits, yeah. right? Because environment plays such a big impact on our habits and our routines. So when you switch environments, I think this is why travel can be so powerful. It's one of the reasons why we wanted to do the Yosemite retreat. If you take a bunch of people out of their city lives or out of their normal busy day lives yeah. and you put them in the wild for an extended period of time, you can't maintain the habits you had. They just get interrupted. And the same thing happens from moving back from San Jose to France yeah. is that certain things we did there, all of a sudden, boom, you don't do them anymore. Yeah in a way where it's not hard because it's just not possible to do them because yeah. you know like you don't have to make a lot of willpower you're just in a different environment and that environment does not kind of apply the same kind of forces on you yeah. and you do things differently and i think if we, we can use that to our advantage when you notice things you're like all right that's because of, maybe that's because i'm not doing that habit anymore or maybe it's because I, i'm doing this one yeah and, oh, I forgot how great it is to for this. And yeah. all this stuff is really good information in, in helping us get a little bit more understanding around when we can, designing our lives in ways that are fulfilling and kind of, uh, I guess, life-affirming. Mm -hmm. So let me paint the absurdness of this transition for you <laughs> so that you can really, so we, we can experience it together. So I think probably most of our listeners have a good idea of what a suburban San Jose lifestyle is like. Mm -hmm. You have, it's just, it's suburbia. You got all the comforts of it. You got, you know, hot water on demand, dishwashers, big flat screen TVs, comfy couches, nice backyards. Big fridges. With, big fridges, with wide big roads. Freezers. Everything is within 10 to 15 minutes unless there's traffic, which is half the day in San Jose. Uh, uh, so you really have to schedule your days around traffic. Okay, so I think everyone knows that life pretty well or hopefully fairly well. So. When we came back to the caravan, when we got back here, like within a short period of time, first off, we enter the caravan and there's a couple of things. One, there's cobwebs everywhere. We spend the next couple of days escorting 40 to 50 spiders out of the caravan. We're still doing We're it. Still I did one right before it. this yeah. podcast. They're everywhere. There, there's spiders everywhere. If you don't like spiders, don't live a in a caravan in the woods. Bad idea. <laughs> so we come in. We, we get all these spiders out. We return to a busted fridge. I busted our fridge five minutes before we left to California. This hurts. I, I made what I learned later ha is a pretty common man's mistake about how to de-ice a, free a freezer. We were leaving. I realized the freezer was still on. Uh, or it still had ice, and I didn't want it to leak all over the caravan, so I took a hammer and a screwdriver to the, the freezer and tried to de-ice it, and I busted it. There was a hissing, and uh, realized I punctured a, a gas chamber and pretty much turned our freezer into a giant ice box. Uh, so we returned to a busted freezer. A we busted fridge. A busted fridge. Yeah. We flooded the caravan twice just because we forgot how how life is here. Once we flooded the water tank, water all over the living room, all over our cushions. And once I flooded underneath the sink, just not paying attention and emptying the sink when it needed to be emptied. And it's hot as hell. It's over 90 degrees. A couple of days after we get back, we're jet lagged. We're outside working with our with our neighbors in plus 90 degree heat. And I'm cleaning a chicken coop, and you're building a horse fence. This is our lives here. Yeah. And then, in the middle of the night, at like 2 in the morning, we walk out naked in the middle of a thunderstorm and stand under the trees and watch as the lightning lights up the canopy above us. <laughs> like, that's just the craziness of it. It's such a strange life, and it's so weird. And it's so different than what we just left. It is, but I have to say, I really enjoy the contrast. Yeah. I really do. I, 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 there's things about both I appreciate, but I, and, and I really enjoy, there's an aliveness to here. It's harder here. Mm. It's definitely harder. Uh, one of the struggles here is that things are a little less convenient. Yeah. They're less efficient. And most of the time I enjoy that. It kind of brings me back into just the, the kind of mundane and there's kind of there's a meditation in that, right? It's it's kind of like chopping wood, carrying water, yeah. you know, in, in like 
uh, in the Zen tradition, I enjoy that. Uh, I've not really enjoyed washing dishes again. It, it, I, there's this thing with dishwashers. It's like, I, I don't care as long as I'm not using one. And as soon as I started using one and I go back to not using one for a week or two, it's annoying as hell. And then it, I don't care again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I find myself just daydreaming about that kitchen in San Jose. Because like, for me, we, we came back to this, the, the busted fridge and this tiny kitchen. Now Alster and I eat two different diets and we only have like two burners on the, on the stove. And so it's like, how do I make two different meals on only two burners? I have to be really crafty and, and like, without a fridge in 90 degree heat. Yeah, that was, and so like I, I had to do countless trips to the, the, the shops. Because and the shop could, is tw over 20 minutes away. Yeah. Yeah. Because we live in rural France. So it's, and you know, I remember. Your mom, you know, kneading a couple of eggs and just dashing out and being back 20 minutes later. And it's like, that's how long it takes me to get to the shop. You know, <laughs> I just, there's, there's no denying that it's extremely, extremely different here. I, I agree with you though. Like, I like the contrast. And I think that this is what I like the most about our lives is that there's a lot of contrast because we move from one place to the other fairly often. And every time is an opportunity to change our ways, learn new ways. And I don't know, gain like a richness of life that is... It sharpens the mind. I think if you stay too long in one mode of life, you just kind of come complacent. I think that's a, at least a risk, right? Like that, that you can get kind of complacent, that you don't really... Maybe maybe I would use I instead of you. Okay, fair. Because I get complacent. Yeah, if I yeah. like the colors kind of dull, you know, the edges kind of yeah, or the colors blur, the edges dull. Yeah. And for example, one interesting thing just from from that is I've realized from these these things what a religion, comfort and convenience is oh, for yeah. America. Yeah. It really is yeah. a religion. And this is not a critique as much as it's just an observation. These are some of the like cultural values mm -hmm. of suburban America. Yeah. In a way that like, okay, you can say that, but it, but when I lived in it, you'd be like, yeah, maybe, you know, yeah. but, but living out of it, you realize like what a cult it is. Yeah. How big an importance it is. I also realize it because you see what else is missing. You see what you have to give up for that. Yeah. And for example... It's been such a breath of fresh air, literally, to be back here. It's so, there's just a, ah, there's something, and maybe this is just for me, or maybe, you know, it's not, I'm not saying this is for everyone, but coming back for me has been inspiring. I mean, it is more work, but I feel like my mind is just more stimulated. Uh-huh. It's more, like, like, I feel, I just feel more inspired here. I have more ideas. I feel at ease. I feel more free. I think part of it, and this is one of the other differences of living here, is there's so much less distraction. So much less. When we were living, uh, we were house-sitting at my brother and sister-in-law's apartment, or our brother. I'm still getting used to this. <laughs> it's now your brother. And... Well, it's my brother-in-law, so... <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, so... I, I get it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> my brother Chris and Emily, uh, his wife, we were house-sitting there. So while we were there, they have a beautiful, comfy sofa, yeah, a big flat screen TV that's hooked up to Netflix, HBO, Amazon Prime, Hulu. If that's not enough, they got they got an Xbox there. Mm -hmm. It's just there's like every form of entertainment is at your fingertips. It's convenient and it's very comfortable. Yeah. And we come back here and you you got none of that. You know, and I appreciate that. I mean, I appreciated when we were there. It was fun to kind of veg out a little bit and like watch some shows and stuff that that we never have access to. Yeah. But in and it's not just that kind of distraction. It's not the distractions you can choose. I think actually that's not what really bothers me about being in the US. It's all the distractions I cannot choose. It's all the ways life is just more distracting there. For example, this is a small one, but my parents have installed, they have a camera on the front door. It's the ring. It's the ring, okay. 
and uh, it rings. We hear wind chimes because that's like on two devices throughout my house, like an iPad or something. And my dad gets a notification on his phone every time something sets off, sets off the sensor at the front of the house. Yeah. And they're just sounds that go off all day. You get used to them, but they're there. And and that's another kind of version of it is like these notifications that just go off all the time, all this information, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that comes with like a smart house or a smart car. Just like all these things, right? These gadgets and gears and, and inputs and and outputs. Yeah. But then I and this is the one that I think is the most insidious, probably does I personally think it does the most harm and it's kind of the most invisible because we're so used to it is the advertising. Mm. The advertising is terrible. It's everywhere. It's I mean, you just cannot look anywhere almost. Not even in the house. It's in so many places in the house these days where it never would have been. Yeah. Or it wasn't 50 years ago. I think we would be shocked or at least the people 50 years ago would be shocked if they saw what we invited into our houses today. Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, and, and it's just happened like kind of gradually. And there's some trade-off of convenience for it where we, we, we can justify it or rationalize it. But, but I personally think it's nuts. Mm. Thinking about having like a Hey Google or an Alexa that, that's like listening in. I don't know. That's, that's um, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. And, and you go outside, and there's just messages all the time, subliminal messages everywhere. And it affects me. It affects my mindset. I can tell. The way, the way I can tell is when I come out of it. Yeah. And how free and spacious I feel. And when I feel, I realize, like, wow, I've been, like, bunkering down for the last two months and, like, trying to, like, kind of protect my headspace. And here it's like I can kind of, like, it kind of can just, like, ah, oh, it can kind of come out. You yeah. know, like there's nothing attacking it or or trying to trying to s- squeeze in a message here yeah, yeah, or yeah. influence my decision there. Yeah. Like I can just be here in a way that is hard to hard to really describe to someone, but I feel it. There's so much space here. There's so much mental space for me here just because there isn't shit trying to tell me things and trying to get me to do things yeah. all the damn time here. Yeah. And I really love that. It's hard to be creative there for me compared to here. I'm, I feel much more creative here uh, as a result. So the other day I went to the market, as I said, um, it was two days ago. And I had this really interesting moment where like I started walking in that street with all this, the stands on each side. And I realized like, whoa, I'm back in France. Like the, it really hit me that I was back in France we had spent a night in Bordeaux on the way in. And already then I had the sense, like, we walked in, it was like 11 p.m., super warm breeze, summer evening, people strolling and walking around the town. And then on the side, like, you, you peek into down an alley and you see a corner bistro with little cram tables on the side. Everything's so small in France, you know? It's like a little table for it's so two. Cute. It's, it's, it's so cute. It's so cute. You just want to have a beer there. I don't even drink beer anymore. And you, I want to have a beer And you want to smoke cigarettes with them. And it just smells like cigarette everywhere in the air. I've had to combat my 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 desire to smoke so bad since we came back because for two months in the US I thought about smoking cigarettes three times three before we even landed in France I started thinking about how cool it would be to have a cigarette how weird is that and since then I've had to battle the urge like maybe five times and we've only been here a week yeah you've been struggling a bit and that has been an interesting observation as well it's just the social conventions around smoking, where in the U.S., you're antisocial if you smoke because you need to leave the room. You need to go out, and most people don't smoke. So it's kind of of frowned upon a lot of times. It feels like, yeah, it feels like that. It's, it's, uh, I feel like smoking is more, I mean, maybe this is completely wrong, but from what I saw, it seemed like smoking was more of a lower class thing or, or like a little, I don't know, like... Maybe that sounds really bad. I'm sorry if that does. It's just in France, everyone smokes. It's a sign that you're cool. It's what you do to hang out with your friends. Yeah. So the opposite here in France is is that smoking is social. Yeah. Whereas it feels very antisocial for whatever reason in a lot of parts of the U.S. Uh, or maybe it's just the circles that we run in. Yeah. Here, 
it's like it's what you do to connect. Yeah. And so you're kind of antisocial if you don't do it. It's kind of the reverse. Yeah. And you've been struggling with that. I've been struggling with that because if if in the US you're antisocial because you have to leave the room, in France you're antisocial if you don't leave the room because when people go out to smoke, everyone goes out to smoke and then you stay and you're with, you know, the kids and the grandma that that and you don't hear the good and if they go out to smoke at all, they a lot of times they smoke in the homes, you know? I mean, it's, it's more true. common to it's smoke true. wherever they are. Although I will say it's gotten more normalized to go to smoke outside these days because now like for the last few years it's been forbidden to smoke indoors not in your house but in public spaces so it's just there's something that makes me bond with people with like cigarettes makes me bond with people in a way I think it's called nicotine yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, but it works. Uh, it gives a sense of connection. So that's one thing that I've definitely noticed. And uh, and so going back to the market, I arrived at the market and I stood in line at the fish counter, and this this guy was just putting on a show. Like that. That's what happens at the market in France. You know, you don't have the samples. You don't have the people like handing you the samples with the little um, toothpicks or whatever. And you definitely cannot just buy your thing and get away without having to engage in some form of ranting or complaining about something that's going on in the world. That just doesn't happen. And when I went to the market in the U.S., it's like this... It's almost transactional. You can have a conversation if you want, but it definitely, like, they're not here for that. The guy, for instance, I went and at the, the egg stand in the US and we tried to engage in conversation and he was not super interested. Like he, you know, he was here to do his deal and he was nice and he responded to what we said, but he was happy when we left. In France, it's almost like they want to keep you as long as possible, even if they have a long line, because that's the show. I waited 20 minutes for my fish. And I caught myself thinking like, God, this is a long time to wait around. Maybe <laughs> I should go do something else. And I was like, no, this is the show. This is why I come to the market. This is because you take your time. And and it was great because the guy also tailored his his speech to everyone. One of the dudes was... One of the customers was really into the ranting, complaining and stuff. And so the fish guy was going on holiday soon. And so he started calling him a lazy, lazy ass person because he went on holidays. And and so it's like that was the rant. And then when it came to me, I was not in that kind of space. I was like, I'm really happy you're going on holidays. You, you deserve it. And he was like, yeah, I'm pretty tired. But, you, you know, what you got to do? And then he found out I was a cook and he was a cook. And then we started ranting about like the, the cooking world. And it was, there's two things to that. There's the, oh, wow. There's a taking our time in France. There's no rush, especially in the markets. You're here to enjoy yourself. No one is rushed. There's definitely that attitude and it permeates in everything in France. And sometimes I, God, do I hate it. And sometimes do I love it. When some one of the time I hate it is when I I need to get anything done. Yeah. Because everything takes longer here. Everything. Businesses are closed half the half the working day. And they don't understand when you come with a, with a question. Businesses. They yeah. Don't, like in I the bu- U.S., you never have to think. Is it open? It's open. Yeah. Yeah. In, in France, I mean, if it's a Monday, a Sunday, if it's anywhere around lunch, if it's early afternoon, evening, I mean, there's a good chance it's not open. Yeah. No, you have to plan around that. I. I I bought almonds the other day at the shop and they're like half of them are not good because I think they've been in the bulk container for too long. And I was telling this to Alistair and he said, well, just take them back. And I was like, I can't. If I if I show up to the shop with a bag of bulk almonds and tell them to refund me, they're going to think I'm crazy. You can't do that in France. And that's the first thing I would do in the U.S. It's funny because in the U.S. you would show up with the bag without the receipt and no say, question. please reimburse me. Oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. We'll yeah. reimburse you. We're really sorry. Oh, we're really sorry. Oh, Won't so, happen again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're a f- trusted customer. No. We love you. You know? And it's, <laughs> so that is one of the differences. But then... Also, the complaining. Oh, Lord, the complaining. Like, I engage in it because I'm French. It's a religion. It's part of how we bond. I have a fondness in my heart for it. But boy, 
does it weigh on my on my soul a lot of the time you know it's like we arrived here and then we went to see our neighbors and we went to say hi and reconnect and all that and i could not help but notice that 90% of the conversation that i had with those people was focused on what didn't go right on what was wrong i don't know and it's like and there's a shame even in sharing good news Our closest neighbor got engaged. Being a good French half-American person, I yelled out congratulations. Which is an American thing. That is a very weird thing for a French person to do (laughs) because she didn't even tell me she was engaged. I saw the ring, suspected something. She proceeded to complain about a lot of things or talk about a lot of things that were not going the way they were supposed to go. And then she kind of swooped it in through a complaint, like the fiance had left and she's like, yeah, so now I'm kind of sad because we got engaged like a couple of days ago, you know, like, and the subtext is like, no big deal, you know, and I was like, "Woo, congratulations. And that made me a weirdo in, in the French <laughs> system, you know, so like, I find myself in this strange land between two cultures trying to tailor my own culture. I think I have a lot more appreciation for French expats living in the U.S. because I think that they can all relate to what I'm saying. And yeah, there is, I will say, one thing I like a lot about the U.S. is this just general positivity all the time, you know? Sometimes it's at the expense of it's sometimes it feels like you're not really heard when you share that something's going wrong, but even that's not there's really- like it, it's almost if I were to take a stab at it, it's like it's the way the French connect is through this negativity, right? It's yeah. a way to connect, yeah, and it's it's like okay, it's kind of a it's not a great way, but you you make some sort of connection, yeah, but the risk of the the upbeat positivity in the u s is that you don't connect at all. You know what I mean? Like it stays, it stays surface level. But I, they're both, I say, they're both. I think they both have like. I, I would, yeah, I they're would. Both not great. I would say there's times. also ways to stay very surface level with the negativity. Yeah. It's also a great way not to connect because let's not talk about the good things or let's not pretend that there's good things about life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's not share our joy. Yeah, exactly. So. That's been very interesting to come back to. I think another place where where some of the stuff you're talking about shows up is in Apero. Oh, Apero. Yeah. So if you don't know, Apero, well, I I probably shouldn't describe it. Let's let the French woman describe it. Yeah, we've had this conversation and I, I tend to get a little irritated when you try to compare it with an existing thing in the U.S., like happy hour. I, I'm not trying to compare it to happy hour. I'm just saying you said like, oh, Americans don't have anything Downwind at the end of the day. Is it? No, 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 no. <laughs> like, yeah, well, I'm, is, I know it's not the same, but uh, we have happy hour. You know, like... It's uh, true. It, it's, it's, true. It, it's true. There is something. Yeah, no, there is something. I will, I will agree to that. But I realized coming back here how much... Apero is is not just like a drink at the end of the day. It's not something that you do with a social group. It's not something you do by yourself. It's it's an entire concept. It's an entire idea. This is such a French of, French put down right here, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 what happens when you're getting to the end of the day ready to unwind but not really at dinner time yet and apero can be as long as 10 minutes or i mean can be as short as 10 minutes but can also be as long as 5 hours like i've i've been to aperos that and at like 10 and around 10 o'clock you're like hey should we make pasta like just have something for dinner and oh yeah yeah sure just pour some water you know like that's the that's the attitude and i think i realized how much it's important to me because when we were in the U.S., I feel like I was always pushing your parents to have a GNT at the end of the day. And I always wanted to like put out the chips on the table and, and have this moment where it's not really like the day is not really finished, but the night has not really started. Like it's, it's kind of the in between. I love that in between. I love it. And I missed it dearly. And coming back here, it's just in the air, you know, like our neighbor, she will like go out in the evening and do some arts and craft with a beer and a cigarette and a cigarette. 
A cigarette. Oh God, the cigarette at Apero is like the best cigarette of the day, Alistair. The I, I will say there's something the in the air because you, you know you you just want to be outside and have a drink or yes. whatever. Yes. You know, and you know I don't think that's totally gone in the U.S. I think no, I, I, think, I yeah. think that 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 also happens. But I, I I will hypothesize that I think like our commutes and just there's there is this sense of always doing something there is this lack of time this sense of lack of time in the u.s there's not enough time there's so much to do and i think our commutes in the u.s eat into this a lot right like if you're commuting an hour or two hours a day that's a that's a hell of a lot of time to like you could be relaxed or do these things and then and then everything else gets crammed into smaller sections of your calendar and stuff so i think there is there is just an overall sense of get to the next thing get to the next thing get to the next thing that is is not the same in France. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think it can be like that during the day, but there is this time that is sacred. And I realized something was missing from my life, and not just in the US, but before we left for the US, when we were in the caravan, I was not taking that time at the end of the day and therefore never unwinding. And I would open up my computer to check my emails at 10 p.m. right before going to bed. Why? 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 That's so stupid. But I had a vocal message from a friend who like was telling me, yeah, so I had a big day of work and now I'm outside. I'm taking my little apero time with my beer and my cigarette before I go on and make dinner with with her partner. And it's like, damn, this is what I need to do. I need to bring apero back into my life. This is the solution to everything. And I did that that evening. I just... We don't have any alcohol. I don't drink any alcohol. We don't have any fun soft drinks except tea. So it's like, okay, it's boiling hot outside, but I'm going to make tea and I'm going to go outside and watch something and just, you know, take that time for myself. So I have to reinvent Apero because usually Apero is a drink and a cigarette, but maybe it can be a tea and a YouTube video. So, but I'm, I'm enjoying being back in a mentality that has the concept of apiro. Another thing that I always forget and then realize as soon as we get off the plane in France is that I can't communicate with anybody <laughs> or not very well, you know? And I get there, I'm like, oh, damn it. This is what happens when I'm in France. They don't speak the same language as me. I have trouble communicating. And uh, I know it sounds dumb, but like every time I forget, like I take it for granted. That, that I can just sense. talk to everybody in the U.S. Yeah. And the moment I get to the U.S., it's just like, oh, yes. I can talk you know? to people. Yeah. I can talk to people. And it's also like, oh, there's there's similar grooves. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we have similar mindsets. Like, yeah. I can, I'm not the stranger yeah. as much as I am here. I'm yeah. not the foreigner, yeah. you know? And, and for a while, I really appreciate that. And then I start to, sometimes I start to resent the fact that everyone can talk to me. But, <laughs> But then I get to the, I get to France and all of a sudden it's like I become a mute, you know, like, yeah. like I can't talk to anyone. You have to do all the talking. I, I'm working on French. I can understand more and more of yeah, it. Yeah, he, he do, you do. I still have a hard time communicating a lot of it. But I was telling you this yesterday. It can be really frustrating because often I just turn into a wallflower. Yeah, you like do. we have these long social gatherings for like an hour, two hours where I'm just I, I kind of have to be there yeah. like socially and I'm just like staring into a wall. Yeah. And just like just thinking in my head because there's very little I can understand. And it's really taxing to try to follow the conversation as well and like try to piece together the clues of what the conversation is. Like that's a lot of work. Yeah. And I I get really like I can get very frustrated by it. And one thing you did say that I really like and that I notice myself is that when we're in France, I think I don't know if it's just because you look dumb when you're like looking at the wall or, you know, you, know, you look dumb, but you don't look in the conversation. And so it feels like I'm dragging around maybe a slightly autistic guy and no one can talk to you to verify that you're actually a smart ass dude. No, you know? I feel like a caricature of myself. I, I really do. The other day we were we were uh, I think it was a, we were taking a break from working with the family we, we yeah. live with here. And the uh, Noemi, who's about, who's a little bit younger than us, she speaks English. She travels and she speaks some English. So I can talk English to her and, and she'll understand usually. 
And so we were sitting around the table and I made a joke because her sister, who's younger than her, her sister's in her teens and Noemi's like early 20s, walked into the room and her sister is a a small, uh, like she's a giant, like she's really tall and and taller than Noemi. And so I was making like the joke like, oh, sister's taller than you, that sucks. (laughs) And I realized that these people that we've been living with for this year I've never been able to express my personality or my interests yeah. or engage in actual ideas. Like yeah. they have such a two-dimensional image of me yeah. and and I can only relate in like really flat ways. Like I can tell them needs, yeah. you know, but like beyond that, like I can't do much. And sometimes it's it's frustrating to know that I, like that they don't really know very much about me and I know what happens. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I remember seeing a video... I think of a Korean woman or something like that. And she was talking oh, yeah. and in, in English. English and she sounded dumb, you know, just like, oh, simple minded, kind, you know, yeah. like wasn't very articulate. And, and like, just automatically I start thinking that, oh, yeah. she's not very bright. Like, blah, blah, blah. just because she can't speak my language. Right. Yeah. And then she speaks in Korean with the subtitle and it's deep and complex. And like, you're just like, whoa, all of a sudden it's like this woman has all these deep and like interesting thoughts. She just can't communicate them in English. And for a moment I realized like, oh my God, how often do I think that of people? You know? And here I sometimes realize like that's what people think of me. Yeah. And uh, it's weird being on this side of it, you know? And it's frustrating at times because I would like to commute, I would like to connect more with people and it's frustrating to me too. It's been particularly frustrating in our in our previous living situation because they were like my aunt and uncle and I loved them very much and I wanted them to be able to connect with you. And I realized that there was a an invisible barrier to them actually really getting to know you. And I felt like they didn't really know you. And and that kind of broke my heart in a way that it was that hard to bridge, which is funny because I don't have that feeling with my family. I feel like my family has a pretty good understanding of who you are and has a pretty 3D vision of who you are. Perhaps maybe because there's you do a lot of work translating that yeah, to true. them. It's true. I do. And I talk to them about you a lot and about how weird. Yeah, so I think they get a better are. picture of, of who I am as a person yeah, yeah. That, that is hard to communicate otherwise. And I notice sometimes I, I just realize I'm like, oh, man, yeah, it's 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 sucks. Another small thing that I noticed being back here that I do really enjoy, so I want to share it, is that when I work on a regular workday, mm. I don't, all my emails uh, from the US come overnight. Most of them do. So in the morning, I get all my emails from yesterday to process, and then they do not come in during the day as a distraction. Uh-huh. They start to trickle in in the, in the late afternoon, or especially from the East Coast, but... Yeah. But like the West Coast, usually not. And I I love this because, again, the caravan is like this funnel that just like funnels your focus and attention to what you really want to do. Because there's so little distraction here. I mean, it's just an, a very, it's a place where you can be very intentional. There isn't someone grabbing. We're not very accessible here. So there isn't people grabbing our attention where there's a distance with, with the U.S. and a lot of people where uh, I can connect with people. But it takes some effort and it takes a little bit of time. It's not instantaneous. Mm -hmm. And there are downsides to that. It's not all upside. But I do, there is something about it I really enjoy because it creates space where I can really focus. I can really work. I can be creative without a lot of interruption for fairly long periods of time. And I find that I get a lot done here. Mm -hmm. So as we were preparing for this episode, I was trying to think what are some of the differences that I've noticed for myself? And Alistair was sharing a lot of like things that he was excited about, things that he was happy about, things that he was grateful for. And I found myself really drawn to more the things that I wasn't happy about. Um, You know, like it's been kind of brutal being back here. We got here and started working the next day immediately and flooded the caravan twice. And, you know, like there's been a lot of things that weren't 
easy. I've had to figure out how to manage keeping meat and fish in a fridge that doesn't work in 90 degree heat and making sure that I rotate food fast enough. And, you know, like it's, it's been mentally a lot to, to handle as early as we come back, especially in contrast to, as we said, a kitchen where you just put your dirty dishes in the dishwasher and yeah. it does the dishes for you. Everything. We have is, a small fridge, so you, you don't have a lot of room for leftovers. Most meals yeah. have to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot of time that have, and we don't have a washing machine and we it's a much more to, physical life here. Yeah. Yeah. And we had to, you know, like I was thinking about this this day where we worked in 90 plus degree heat and and at the end of the day having to just like quickly dash and take a shower and then go back out to buy to buy food because we can't we can store more food in the fridge doing the the laundry at the laundromat so it's like there's a lot of little things that take at, at the end of the day add up to a lot of time spent doing those things and I found myself I don't know if resenting is the right way, but I find myself, I realize that I, I tend to do this thing where I glorify a life that is not what I'm living. Like anything that is not my experience right now, I think is better. And so maybe it takes the form of when I was in San Jose, daydreaming about being in nature and being close to water because all the concrete around is really suffocating for me. I, I find it really hard. And that's one thing I love being back here is that I come out of my house and there's the ground, right? Like there's, I can feel the ground under my feet. There's no concrete or wooden deck or tiles or anything. It's just, I'm straight on the ground. So I was daydreaming about something else when I was in San Jose instead of really being in San Jose and appreciating the conveniences of it all. And then when I'm back here, I'm daydreaming about being in San Jose with the convenience and 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 the not the downsides, right? You're, you're cherry picking basically. Yeah. You're, you're only picking part like the highlights. Yeah, yeah. And then and then not kind of not including everything else that comes with that, right? Yeah, exactly. And and that is to be clear, that is a tendency that I know I've had for a while and I've had it for a while. I'm aware I have it now and I'm on, you know, I'm on the journey to kind of unpack it and, 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 and to be dismantle fair, I think, it. I think it's a tendency we all have at times. It's, it's kind of human nature to, you, to only pick the highlights or the lowlights, right? And, and yeah, it's just, it's a little, it, it ends up being, it gets a little old because I think if you're, if you're in one, you know, like the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. If you stay on one side of the fence forever, you can't always like pretend like it's better on the other side of the fence. But in my life, I've gone to the other side of the fence and back and again many, many times. And every time I look on the other side of the fence and it looks better, you know, it's like, oh, it looked, it looked better where I just was. What the hell is this? You know? <laughs> so this is work that I'm doing. But I had this realization when uh, it was the day we had arrived here. We arrived at like three and I was so excited because it was really early in the afternoon. And I thought that by seven, we'd be watching something on Netflix and unwinding. Turns out, no, that didn't happen this way. A lot of things had to be done. Well, And, and, then, and then we flooded the living room late in the day on that, our so day back from the airport. That is where I'm going. That is where I'm going with this. So I took a shower. This usually is the sign that most of my day is over. If I'm taking a shower, I've done a lot of the stuff that I need to do. I took a shower. I had my towel in my hair. Came out of the shower, was like waiting to put all the creams on my face and all that. And then I heard you say like, oh shit, I forgot to turn off the water because you were filling up the tank. And then, so, I okay, unfazed because we have an overflow system that will drain the, the excess water out of the caravan. Turns out we forgot to close the top of the water tank. And the overflow system doesn't work if the top's not closed because then it just overflows out of the top into the caravan. Yeah, so I heard him say that. And then I, I came out, saw the water trickling into the living room where I had envisioned this wonderful night of relaxing with Netflix and candles. And all of a sudden everything's wet and there's no way we're going to be able to sit in our living room. And I just you know, like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and like, Alistair came back like, what is that? Go turn off the water like just go 
<laughs> so here I was. I know getting, what that means. Getting, I know what that yeah, means. Getting really, really upset and like taking everything out. And we have tons of like mats and cushions. It's 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 Gaddafi's harem. So there's a lot of stuff here. So I'm taking everything out of the caravan. It's all getting wet. I'm super upset because my face is all dried up because I need to put my creams on and I'm not doing this. And I'm like bringing stuff outside and getting really upset at Alistair for some reason because I'm pretty sure we both forgot to put the top back on the, the tank. I just like to do that and blame you. I'm sorry. You're, you're, I, I, I'm very aware of it and I'm trying not to do it. But um, And so I was like fuming, you know, and thinking back to how fucking easy it is to take a shower in, in San Jose, you know, and like, <laughs> and here it's just this, this hurdle you have to get through. And we were pretty tired at this point. Uh, too. Yeah, uh, really tired. And, and I, and, and I don't know, I was like thinking of all the convenience and the comfort and the things that we left behind and the uncomfortableness of here. And then all of a sudden I just started laughing like a maniac and it's like I had this epiphany of, I don't know, it's like everything aligned. And I realized there's a price to pay for every life. You know, it's like I had a, I saw myself taking wet cushions out into our front yard and putting it onto our dinky lawn chairs and realized like, I'm in nature right now. I, I looked up, I saw the trees, I, I saw that my feet were on the ground and, and I was like, this is a small price to pay for being in nature and, you know, being disconnected to everything and hearing the birds and the cicadas and being able to just step outside my home and be in nature. And, and I realized like, oh, this is the price I pay for this, but there's also a price to pay for the convenience and comfort of the dishwashing and the freezer and the shops 10 minutes away. And so I think it was a profound realization for me. Like There is a price to pay for every life. And it's not that big a deal. And we were both really upset. I mean, I got upset. And so then you got upset because, you know, like it kind of builds on it. And then I walked back in. I was like, Alistair, who gives a, you know, like, it's not that big a deal. We flooded the living room. So what? It's going to be dry tomorrow. <laughs> Whatever. I think this is, you know, one of the risks of a world where there's podcasts and there's Instagram feeds and, and social media feeds and stuff is that we do so much cherry picking that we don't even realize because also, a lot of the stuff we want to share is cherry-picked already. And then you cherry-pick the cherries, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, and 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 you end up just seeing highlights or, or lowlights of certain lifestyles. Yeah. And, you know, like, for example, if you want to live a lot, like, I think a lot of people admire the flexibility and the, the freedom we have in a lot of ways. But there is a trade-off for that. It comes with a lot of less freedom in other ways. Yeah. And... You know, if you want to, you have to be very resourceful to live. I think everyone could live lives similar to what we're doing if they want to. But you, it does require a certain amount of resourcefulness. And it also requires a certain, uh, I think, humbleness or humility to, like, part of this life, kind of inseparable at the moment, is that is, is cleaning chicken coops in 90 degree heat while I'm jet lagged. And I don't really want to do it. Mm. That's also part of this life. But we don't really talk about that on, I guess, I guess we do talk about that on, on, on the podcast. But it comes with a lot of other stuff. Everything has its price, I guess. Yeah. It's really been a big realization for me. And I think it's still sinking in. I think I'm I'm learning more and more to appreciate that those little obstacles are part of the journey and that sounds super cliche and it is super cliche because and there's a reason it's a cliche you know and I'm it's it's hard work to actually try to understand it at a deeper level instead of constantly like fighting everything that's happening for me but I'm I think I'm on the right track and I think I don't mind the price we have to pay for the life we have right now and uh yeah, it's it's a journey. I wouldn't have it any other way. Thank you for listening. Thank you, thank you. 
been a pleasure. It was a pleasure to have you here. And you know the drill. If you enjoyed this episode. You know what I'll say? Let's switch it up a little bit. <laughs> Let's switch it up a little bit here. Yeah. If you've done none of these things, subscribe to the podcast. Yes. If you've been listening, maybe this is your first episode, maybe you're in a few now, or maybe you've been listening for a while, and you haven't done any of these things, just subscribe. That's it. That's all we want. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on your favorite platform, and it will usually download the episode automatically when it comes out, so then you have it ready for your next commute. If you've already subscribed to the podcast, share it with a friend. Yes. Send we it to someone else. We always like to meet new people. And if you've already shared it with a friend, then your job is to leave a review. And if you've left a review, you need to ask your friend to leave a review. Just... <laughs> <laughs> we love you, listeners. We love your support. And we love hearing from you. Yes, we do. Doodles. Doodles. Doodles.